Welcome to Travelog, the podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Mark Elwood. Happy Friday. Okay, I hope you're having fun with Meredith and Laura, but it is, it's my week this week. <laughs> and you, I'm still here. And again, the point is, I was going to say that, and then I found out, oh, Meredith's here again. <laughs> so I can't be as rude about her as I planned on being. Um, we are going to be a bit of a Debbie Downer. This is a sort of Debbie Downer day, but in a handy way. So it's sort of useful Debbie Downer. I can, you can hear the noise in the back of your head. This is our sort of when things go wrong episode. Please think of it as something you sort of download and keep Keep on hand next time you have a crisis with your flight, your hotel, your cruise, anything travelly. This is your rights, your information, ways to feel a little less at sea. Now, I have got a crack panel in front of me of travelogue regulars who are going to provide lots of insights. Meredith, you want to say hello? Yeah, you just heard my cackle, but yes, I'm here. <laughs> I have Catherine LeGrave. Hello. And I have Karina Quinn. Hello. So these ladies, and hopefully a little bit of me, we're going to give you some help when things go wrong from our expertise and some of the official things you're entitled to, because I think it can be very confusing. What do you think, ladies? I mean, do you think it's confusing? I think it's really confusing. And I think like in the moment, the last thing you want to be doing is like reading the fine print of something that you already booked and like that odds are doesn't make any sense. Like I think in that panic, my flight's been canceled. What do I do? There's a winter storm coming. What do I do? Like my Airbnb host just canceled. Like what the heck? Like, can I get a refund? Like, what am I doing? You're not thinking logically like, let me go back to my insurance and like, let me double check this thing. And like, let me calmly approach this. So I think it is like in the moment, so difficult to wrap your head around. Like what's the first step you even take in all of these instances? What's your top, Karina, what's been your most panicky moment? Where do you wish you had this episode? Oh, I was hand. thinking when you call, when you guys asked me to be on the episode, this summer I was on a vacation with my family. We were down um, in like the Hilton Head Savannah area and I left a night early because I needed to be back for work for like an impending work trip. So I'm flying out of the Savannah airport on a Saturday night and my flight keeps getting bumped and bumped and bumped, but they wouldn't cancel it. And so that was an isolated incident. I was just going to say, I think like Meredith and Catherine and Mark all know there are different incidents and different rights that you have that apply, but I was stuck there being like, okay, w w if they cancel it, what are my options? I need to get to New York. I have a work flight. I wasn't planning on this. And then also the Savannah airport doesn't typically have late flights out. So there were no alternatives within the airport for diversion. And then I just, that's when the anxiety and panic set in. I've had exactly that experience. <laughs> so I was just, you were making me, I remember you that feeling it. from Savannah airport yes. with the flights getting pushed back. So, but we'll come to that we'll because to you that. can, I can basically tag team on the same yeah. experience, but we weren't on the same flight. Catherine, when was your biggest sort of travel? When was your panic? You don't really panic. <laughs> Catherine is the cool person among us. Uh, I mean, it was a similar thing, but it was a controlled panic because I knew that I couldn't do anything about it. Like I fly fairly often and I feel like I have a good understanding of airline rules. Um, and one extreme example was the summer when something similar happened. I was in Minneapolis and there were just a lot of storms and they just were like, okay, well we have to cancel the flight cause it's weather related. And the airline I was on, obviously they, you know, it varies by airline, but they do not give you any compensation. So it was late at night. I had to pay for a hotel in Minneapolis and come back the next day, which was a real bummer and real annoying. But I understand that that's the rule. Um, but then the other time, you know, we'll talk about this later as well, flying in Europe, I was getting annoyed because my flight kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And I was just sitting there like, I'm going to make so much money off of this. <laughs> and we'll talk about it later. So let's talk about delays, first uh -huh. of all. And Catherine, you're going to be our point person on flights. <sighs> So no pressure. We're uh -huh. all going to chip in, but I know Catherine's got real expertise in this. If my flight is delayed in America, am I entitled to anything by law? So it depends on why your flight is delayed, right? And airlines, a lot of times in their contracts of carriage, have really loose language around that, which is why it's unhelpful. They say things like act of God. And you're like, what? They don't define <laughs> what things is that? for a reason. I was yeah. going to say, that's Weather, intentional. Period. Okay. What, like a single flake of snow falling on the ground like what are mm -hmm. we yeah about? so the length of the delay the length of the flight um and any other these circumstances the act of god we're talking about even significant delay is not defined by the department of transportation so by and large in the u.s no you're not going to get compensated for a delay um that's just sort of the the base understanding the interesting thing is if you have a situation like Karina's where it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and then you're rebooked on another flight, you can actually say to the airline, okay, I don't like this new flight itinerary. Um, and you can have that 
canceled without being forced to pay the difference or or pay for it so which is a lot something a lot of people don't realize like you're not forced to take that flight i feel like a lot of times you get to the airport and you get the alternative flight i mean you can you can propose other flights but you can actually say you know what this itinerary doesn't really work for me anymore i booked this original flight for this reason if i'm going to go a day later if i'm going to go three hours later it doesn't work for me and you will get your money back for that i had no idea about that yeah i think a lot of people think that like Oh, you know, this is a real inconvenience, but I'm gonna because it's in this window. I'm already it's I can't cancel it, right? It's non-refundable. Um, but but that's not true. What I was going to say, I want to ask a question. But if you are delayed, will airlines aren't required by the DOT? And I will say, all of this information is current as we're recording it in December 2018. If you want to double check anything, the DOT at transportation.gov has a very plain language website that you can fire up. It is really no nonsense. So if for any reason you want to double check this, everything we're telling you, if it's updated, it will be updated there. But in terms of the delays, do airlines tend to give you something out of the goodness of their heart? Or will you know, Meredith is rolling her eyes. No, <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's that I think that depends on the airline. And again, you know, with the EU conversation that we'll, I'm sure we'll have shortly, the airline isn't going to voluntarily, out of the kindness of their heart, give you anything. Um, the only exception I have ever found to that, gonna beat this dead horse. Oh boy. Oh. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, two, two. two pew, pew, three, Southwest. Southwest. <laughs> um, no, but I had a flight delayed for seven hours and they gave everyone, when we when I arrived at the airport, it was a three hour delay because a part of the plane was screwed up. and. So when I checked in for my flight, they gave me a $100 voucher. And they were like, we know it's delayed, you know, three hours. Like, we're really sorry. When we got news that they were going to have to fly a new plane from Dallas to New York, we were going to have to get on that plane and then fly the same amount of time back, they gave everyone more money. And we, I think we ended up getting like $300 of flight vouchers, which was so great. And again, like, I wasn't expecting it because in those instances, you usually have to ask the airline and say, hey, you like you need to give me money, even if it's something like that you they're like EC two six one. Yeah. So before we move on to the EU, I did want to say the DOT has not specifically defined significant delay. Yeah which is what gives you rights, and it will determine it on a case-by-case basis. So it is very tricky. And if you're facing problems, I would write down every name, every Mm -hmm. time, every person you deal with. Yeah, that's what I I do. I'm like, screenshot, oh, delayed again, gotcha. And then I submit all of that. Documentation (laughs) has gotten me out of this stuff Imagine how scary Catherine is to work with. (laughs) It sort of like gets me excited, because I'm like, oh, you want receipts? I have them here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think like that's true of so much of what we're going to talk about today. But I will say that there is a specific instance that's like super important this time of year, where that delay is usually defined by the airline, which is when you have like a winter storm or something like that, you know, the Weather Channel doesn't want to name them, but we're going to call them by a lot of names. But like Winter Storm Diego, which happened earlier in December, you know, most airlines offered a flight waiver, which you can use to move your flight if you have flexibility and not have to pay the change fee, which is anywhere from like 100 to $200. And they also waive the difference in fares. And, you know, you can always move your flight if that works for your schedule. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's not worth going on that two-day trip if you're going to be, you know, having to move it two days later. And the way you can get a refund, you know, you can't really cancel your flight on your own without incurring costs, but your flight, if it's delayed more than 90 minutes, most airlines will give you a full refund. And also, if they cancel your flight, you'll get a full refund. This brings up one question I had for you guys, because I thought when it came to airline responsibility or seeking recompense on these things, there is like sort of like the big difference is whether or not it's the airline's responsibility because of a, you know, a malfunction or like upgrade or upkeep the, yeah. or, or a part on a plane and that needs repairs versus whether which everybody's always at, you know, you know, at its mercy. No. There's not. There's no. Not, there's no. Difference. In the US. Okay. Not yeah. in the US. So I was going to say, let's move on to the EU yeah. because we've talked about domestic, but it's there's a big difference back in on my continent, my <laughs> continent of origin. Um, you have a lot more rights, and also interestingly, if you fly on an EU carrier between the US and Europe you also have more rights than if you were flying on a U.S. carrier, correct? And yes, and I also think that's good 
to know because sometimes those trips are the bigger ones where a delay or some sort of like problem with your airline is going to cause so much more stress and anxiety if you're taking a big trip to Europe or you're flying and you're connecting from London to somewhere else. Like I think those journeys are so much more one stressful and two like significant sometimes yeah um that like my trip to Chicago or whatever it is or like back home to Dallas like it's not gonna have it's gonna be frustrating but it's not gonna be as much of a pain in the ass it's not that bucketless moment it's not your right. once a year big trip it's not the trip you've all saved up for you're coordinating you're connecting to something there are a few variables but I think this is also an important point especially when it comes to the EU and just this general conversation about airlines will give you stuff and it's important to say oh that's nice of you to give me that but also know your rights like when this happened to me I was in Frankfurt flying home to New York and we were delayed 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 again and Delta was really nice about it because this was a flight originating in Frankfurt and they said okay we're gonna give everyone like we're gonna refund your flight so what you paid for it you can still fly tomorrow, we're gonna give you the money back. And I said, thanks, that's great, but you still owe me $745 because this was an eight hour delay. And so I typed, I had all this documentation because it is- Did you have a screenshot? Oh, I had many screenshots and I was really (laughs) nice about it. And I, I said like, thank you, it's really generous, how great. But again, this is knowing the rules. But can we also, and I do want to reiterate this, Remember, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I know this is really stressful. What we're giving you is what your rights are, but you'll get more than your rights in most circumstances if you're the person who's like, look, I know nice check-in person. You didn't personally cause this storm. (laughs) I'm fully aware of this, but can you put yourself in my shoes? Here's the problem. And I also think that understanding what they do owe you and what they don't. I mean, like when I was sitting and it had been seven hours and there had been people on my flight to Dallas who had been sitting at the you know airport bar for 7 hours who were like yelling <laughs> at <you>. the gate <laughs> yelling at the gate agent about only giving them $300 and I was like god nope that's yeah. not that we're not like you they don't owe you even that Karina, we've talked about Rule E261. We have the actual text <laughs> okay. written out. So read it yes. in your best Shakespearean actor voice. <laughs> Y'all didn't know you were signing up for an audiobook. I know. I, <laughs> the I don't, EU bylaws audiobook. <laughs> I don't sound as good as Mark, but I will Please. give this my best shot. Okay. Under a European Union regulation known as EC261, you may be entitled to up to 600 euros. That's about $745 if your flight was canceled canceled or delayed by three hours or more, and if you don't arrive at your final destination within two hours of the scheduled arrival time. Want me to keep going? No, that's good. Mm -hmm. I think that gives the basics. Remember also, European airlines are required to provide accommodations even if the delay is not their fault. That's another different directive. The rules here are much looser. The EU is very, very on it when it comes to plane problems. Yeah, they had a whole hotel. They had the food already. And it was like, okay, guess you know what you're doing here. The other thing I would always say, and I talked about this, I've talked about this on on TV today. Uh, So please check out that segment. (laughs) Um, You can find it on today.com. But one of the things I've learned is Twitter is a great way of dealing with any problem because airlines get the PR value of having shown you they've shown everyone they've mm-hmm. helped you. You tweet at them politely, hey, I've got a problem. In DM, you deal with everything, and then they get to put an, a response underneath it. We're so glad we could help you. Karina, have you ever done that? You're nodding, and I feel like you've done that. Um, a little, and I'm always embarrassed because I don't really like Twitter anyway, and it just feels very, like, uh, public complaining is not my jam. But uh, this goes to your point. Catherine, lead to Catherine <laughs> and me. We, Look like, at me. I'm, to me, it's like, like I'm like, that's my hobby. But you, you make a good point, and this will touch on cruises when we get to this, and I think the idea is that the people who work for these companies, by and large, really do want to help you. But what gets hard is that when they're talking to person after person who is holding them personally responsible for a problem they didn't create, that's where it can get a little dicey. So I think like stating your problem, making your case, and yes, giving the company the opportunity to help you and show it and share it is everybody wins kind of a scenario. It's, uh, it's, have you used it, Meredith? No, I think it's really interesting because you know Twitter has become such a huge force in people getting their flights changed and all that kind of stuff. And Bonnie Simi, who works for JetBlue Tech Ventures, which is like their VC firm arm where they invest in 
like startups that are doing cool things in the travel industry, they invested in a company called Gladly, which like connects all of your different profiles. So like usually if you tweeted at Delta or American or any other airline, you know, they would help you with that problem, but it wouldn't go in your file as like Mark Elwood tweeted at this time, right? Because it's not connected to your reservation like when you call and oh. you know, say, Hi, this is my, you know, confirmation number, all this stuff, can you enter this? Like all of those keystrokes get tagged in a way that they don't when you're tweeting at them. Like those DMs don't get saved. And JetBlue now is working with this company gladly that like creates a profile for you for your calls and your emails and your tweets and kind of wow. brings them all together in a place so that when you call 45 minutes later because your flight's been delayed again and that very nice customer service person like that you DM'd with like everything that they worked on is no longer useful, they can say, oh, I see that you DM'd with so-and-so. You know, and it's interesting you thing. say JetBlue. There was a study in 2017 by Converse Social, which is a customer service consulting firm, that said that JetBlue was the best responder to Twitter uh, outreach. It responded Fastest, in, in, right? in under five minutes on average. And the worst was United. Faster than the TSA. Which is, <laughs> They're pretty oh, fast, though. They're I was going to say, oh, I'm sure there's some TSA people listening. The, the <laughs> worst was United, whose average Twitter response time was an hour and 34 minutes. American had the highest response rate at 32.6%, followed by Delta at 31.3%. And I think with JetBlue, that comes from their customer base being, you know, more tech friendly, younger. And so it makes sense that they would want to invest in this tech. I would also add, I would also add, if you have got delays or you're trying to get some money, there is a service called AirHelp to which you can delegate chasing for your money. They'll take a cut of it. It's a bit like an ambulance chasing lawyer, (laughs) but you don't feel so bad about it. Uh, it won't cost you anything, but it, they will take a chunk of your fees, but you also won't have to think about it. So AirHelp, there's an app. They're a great alternative if you want to know whether there's anything and you don't feel like doing too much work. I would also say one more thing. This is like a prep thing, something that you should just double check. If you have a travel related credit card, things like the Chase Sapphire card have like a $10,000 limit for helping you with cover cancellations and the city card and the united cards also both have like trip cancellation insurance policies so if you booked your flight with your travel card which you should (laughs) um you know you might have built in cancellation coverage if you need to cancel the flight or you need coverage for you know hotels or meals and those kinds of things just double check like you know right now and see if your card covers it because then you might not even have to worry about it if you get stuck in this sticky situation later. And, and shameless plug, if you are missing Brad, we, you can <laughs> you can download a couple of episodes that um, I recorded with Brad a while ago about points and cards. And I think you were with us on a couple of them, Catherine. Um, mm, maybe. But you can download. So if you want some advice on, on that kind of prep, we've also got you covered. So we're not going to dive too deep into that because we've got some nice standalones. Catherine, can I, can I ask you to help us when... So we've talked about delays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you to help us with cancellations? Like what our rights are with cancellations and what you do if it's a cancellation for weather or a cancellation for equipment what are you entitled to sure so it's kind of what i talked about before if your flight's canceled and um, you choose to cancel your trip as a result you're entitled to a refund for that unused portion but normally when you get a flight canceled you'll be rebooked on an alternative so you do have some wiggle room to say like actually can you do this route like you know airlines want to make it work for you so you do have license to propose different things and you shouldn't have to pay a change fee for that there's a magic word called interlining which used to be the skeleton that the american aviation system was the flesh to which was essentially each airline made nice with each other so they would they would check bags through they would help each other out that system has disintegrated largely because Delta was a bit bullshy. <laughs> but it does still exist in certain areas between certain airlines. And that will mean that if your flight is cancelled, you could request to be moved onto an alternative carrier's plane, metal, as they would say, to get you there quicker. So you can say to them, is there an interlining agreement that applies? Because remember, if they can find a way to make you one less person, they have to reaccommodate Mm -hmm. and you ask nicely. They're not going to volunteer the interlining because it costs them some money. But you could say, hey, I've seen, I've checked the app. There's an American flight and a Southwest flight that get me there at the same time from this airport. Do you have an interlining agreement with any of them? Can you move me over? 
Yeah. And I, one of, I mean, maybe this is like a personal thing because I'm not very risky, but when your flight is canceled, I feel like a lot of people will <laughs> say, no, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to go on it's this okay. flight and I'm going to fly standby. But I would argue that you should ask for what's the best confirmed ticket you can get me on because otherwise you might be facing more delays and more cancellations and that'll be more of a headache. What's the difference between a confirmed and standby seat? So each airline will have a list of standby passengers um, that are eligible to make it on the plane for no-shows or people that are getting rerouted or want to take a different flight. And so you're on that list, base priority, like your frequent flyer, um, just your priority with the airline. And then confirmed means that you have a seat on the flight and you're good to go. Unless, of course, we're talking about overbooking. Which is the next thing we're going to do. The one thing I would also say about mass cancellations if you're caught in a storm of a storm remember you could call the airlines international number look on that airlines website and look at what the france maybe delta's france number use skype to call overseas because they won't be dealing with the same problems Mm -hmm. so you might not be on hold for as long and it's a way to cut to the front of the line which won't cost you if you use skype you're spending seven cents a minute to not sit on hold for an hour um, Catherine, what, do, what is, we're all picturing that doctor being bodily dragged off yeah. the plane. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. So basically, <laughs> overbooking, you know, that that's such a strong image, but actually airlines, like, overbooking is quite rare considering the amount of flights that are out there, right? There's a statistic about last year, 23,000 passengers were bumped, which sounds high, but then you compare it to the fact that 342,000 people took an airline's offer um, and gave up their seat ahead of time. So airlines have gotten really good at saying, listen, we're overbooked, here's what we can offer passengers, right? And then so passengers, instead of being forcibly bumped, they take an offer from the airline. And the way airlines decide who gets forcibly bumped, they don't disclose this, obviously, but it's a combination, right? So it depends on a passenger's frequent flyer status. Um, the time you checked in can come down to it. Um, the fare you paid, you know, so if you paid basic economy and you checked in um, a few hours before your flight and it's a full flight, it's probably not looking good for you, right? If people don't take the voucher. I will say that something that I found really interesting is like, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago in early December, the Wall Street Journal put out a story that said that the number of passengers denied boarding in the first like nine months of 2018 was down 69 percent compared to 2017 and united said that it had two consecutive months this fall when it only bumped six people out of 30 million and i think a lot of that is a result of you know what happened on united so like of course they're going to be trying to yeah but i think other airlines are learning as well According to the story, you know, bumping at United, Delta, and JetBlue was all down more than 90% compared to last year. And I think that that also looks good for the passenger, so you don't have to worry about that as much. But it is something that could happen because legally they are allowed to overbook by a certain mm-hmm. amount of seats. And when you talk about denied boarding compensation, it's important to know your rights here as well. The Department of Transportation has rules set as far as a minimum, but they don't have a maximum, right? So you can keep playing a game with the airline where you're like, give me more money. Catherine, um, Catherine and I would be like, 150? That's fine. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> no, um, what if they stop offering any money? <laughs> so I'm just going to read the rules. Um, so basically, if you arrive at, if you're bumped and you arrive at your final destination um, between zero to one hour's delay, you don't get anything, right? Um, one to two hour arrival delay, you get 200% of the one-way fare, but no more than $675. And then over a two hour arrival delay, you get 400% of that one-way fare but no more than 1350. So that's a good sort of baseline rule for people to have. And I have um, a list of questions that I think is really good to ask if you are over, if, if, pe- if an airline says to you like, hey, we have a, a voucher, some compensation here, some good questions. Back to the confirmation. When is the next flight on which you know you can have a confirmed seat? What other amenities can you offer me? Free hotels, free meals, any transfers between the hotel and the airport? Um, how long is the ticket or voucher good for? And this is important. Is the ticket or voucher you're going to offer me unusable during certain periods? That's a great point. Right? The small print on the, those vouchers are a <laughs> bit like when something comes through the mail and it goes, you're now a millionaire. And then a small print, it says, <laughs> if you join this pyramid scheme. <laughs> exactly. Because the thing about vouchers is they have a lot of blackout dates and depending, you know, they restrict when you can fly. So it's always good to push for cash i mean a check if you can but if you can't really establish these rules before you know what you're getting into so that may raise the value or decrease it 
So we've dealt with flights. I will say one other thing. If you get to the airport and you don't have your ID, which I think I've had nightmares about this. <laughs> Catherine is pointing at me where she's like, so you I can't see this. her pointing. I, <laughs> also, when she points at you, it's quite, it's quite intimidating. Hi. I feel like I've done something wrong. <laughs> if you arrive without an ID, because I think that is a thing. It's sort of like that being naked at school kind of nightmare you have. It's the travel version of that. Can you do anything? So if you're flying domestically, yes, you can. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not that big of a deal because it is a deal. But this happened to my sister-in-law recently. She got to the airport, realized she forgot her ID. And you just talk to a TSA officer, right? You, you explain, look, I've forgotten my ID. And you have you give them the documentation you do have that's linked to a profile in the database that you have. So this can be a credit card. This can be a library card. This is for domestic flights. Mm -hmm. And this will take, obviously, more time at security when they compare it to the information they have on file against you. Um, but you are able to fly um, without ID domestically. Internationally, obviously, it's a bigger problem because when you land in a destination and you try and go through customs and you don't have your passport, that... That will well, not it's fly. not America's choice. Right, you, can't, exactly. you can't board yeah. without a passport. Exactly. But if it's within the, the US, yeah. you can actually talk to a TSA agent and say, hey, I've turned up. And they'll probably say, oh, we, we've had this happen all the time. I'm going to need quite a lot from you. Mm -hmm. But let's see what we can do. And I think also, like, those are the instances where being someone like Catherine and not someone like me, where you automatically, every time you fly, show up at the airport two hours early, like, that's in your benefit. If you show up and you don't <laughs> have your... ID and you're like me and you're like 45 minutes before your flight leaves. Oh. I know, panic. I know, I know. Well, no, but like, you know, that security process is going to take much longer than you expected. And so giving yourself that sort of like buffer is good for those exact instances. I would sleep at the airport the night before if I was allowed to. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, can I just be here that early? So there's no way. Anyway, what I, I do want to move us on because I, I, I want to make sure we get to hotels, accommodation, and then also to cruises, which Karina has got an awful lot of help because cruises, I think, are particularly intimidating. Uh -huh. But Karina, let's talk about hotels. We learned that there are rules and laws around flights, around cancellation. What happens... What is the rule, the legal obligation on a hotel if you turn up and there is no room for you? So glad you asked, Mark, because there are none. <laughs> so it gets a little tricky there. Mm -hmm. This is where, again, we have we have tips. Um, OK, so, yeah, you didn't make your flight. You're arriving later than expected. The hotel actually legally, in the, if it's in the U.S., is not required to honor your reservation. Mm. This is where communication and documentation are key. The second you know that you're not going to make your original arrival, time, you should call the hotel directly. Make sure they can put a hold on your reservation, offer your credit card up again, document with whom you smoke, <laughs> reconfirm mm -hmm. that reservation, right? Um, in general, I've run into this a lot actually in travel and I've never really had a problem. Um, the trickiest areas for the hotels not being able to honor your reservation if it's a particularly competitive time, like you're in heading to New Orleans for Mardi Gras and every mm -hmm. place in town is booked. Like that's mm -hmm. a time to to really, you know, batten down the hatches. Um, but most hotel chains really do have policies about walking in guests and It's called walking. Yeah, I was gonna walking. say so walking. We use I know this I started to say walk cas in. Casually <laughs> like, tell us about walking. So walking is when a hotel has no obligation to accommodate you, but how they tend to do it is they find you a room in a sort of similar hotel. And yep. travel industry people would call that walking. They won't necessarily escort They're you over. They're not going to walk you over. <laughs> it's not like... I, I was thinking, wow, how nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, Miss Quinn, can we carry your bag for I, you? The They'll first time like, I heard that term, that's what I thought was happening. I was like, so you're going to take me there? And they are like, no, you're on your own. <laughs> so, but if they, you can, if, they, they, if they refer to walking you, what they're saying is we have, though we're not obliged to, the courtesy and the goodwill and the PR problem, we're going to find you a, a comparable hotel mm -hmm. in the same place, right? Yep. And the main... The manager should explain to you precisely what's going on, where they're sending you. You know, the nice thing that we forget, a lot of the major hotel brands are part of a larger chain or company that has a lot of partner portfolios, right? So you do have more options than you think, even if it's a little bit of an adjustment. When have you turned up and had no rooms, ladies? 
I have not actually ever had that happen to me. Um, I have had it, had it happen to a lot of friends in New Orleans, of all places. Uh, uh, not from Mardi Gras, okay. but in New Orleans. Yeah. And it was one of those things where they got in at like 11 p.m., 12, and showed up and were exhausted. And it was like five girls, and they were like, wait, what do you mean? Like, we want to sleep. Like, what do you mean we don't have a hotel room? <laughs> have and they, they been drinking on the flight? No. <laughs> I'm just patiently preparing for New Orleans. I'm slightly like, what do you mean? <laughs> um... But again, my friend who had made the reservation like was a like upper tier loyalty member. So like oh, yeah. she again was sat down and they explained like we don't have this. You know, we're going to put you up in a room in a comparable hotel. It might be better than ours. Like these are the options that we have. And they did. They had to drive out and they weren't in the neighborhood that they wanted to be in. But the hotel also said if you stay there for one night, we can get you in here tomorrow. And they got to decide whether or not they stayed in that hotel that they were rebooking them into or move back into the hotel that they had booked. It was just like a one night overlap sort of situation. I will say there was a loyalty lobby um, five years ago shared the IHG's internal guidelines for walking guests. Now they may have changed slightly, but I think it's a very good way of outlining the experience you might have, which is manager on duty explains the situation and apologizes. The hotel tends to pay for the first night. So essentially you get one night free at a comparable property, ideally within that IHG family, and the hotel must reimburse guests for sort of expenses if you're taking a taxi late at night to a property that's a bit further away. So again, there's no legal obligation. So if you stand there in the lobby and go, I know my rights, where your rights are. <laughs> Not really. Well, and I would that. also say this is true of airlines as well as hotels, but it's always in your best interest to protect yourself against these sort of situations, which again takes the foresight to do this, to book directly with the airline or the hotel because you, like if your flight gets delayed or your hotel reservation doesn't come through, those people are going to tell you to deal with the customer service of the company you booked the flight with. The online travel agent, exactly. the OTA. Who recall, then yeah. has to then go to the hotel or the airline and be like, hey, you wanna help this person? And you can't deal with them directly because it has to go through that. And increasingly, you will find the best rate guarantee for a lot of major hotel chains. They will say, I know you've been looking on Expedia, Orbitz, whoever it may be. We guarantee that the rate booking with us directly is the cheapest you can get. So in choosing to book directly, you're not losing anything and you are gaining an advantage if there are any hiccups. Right. The thing that that I I think is difficult with a, a hotel room is... When you turn up and it's not quite the right kind of room, like they try and put you in the wrong category, do we have any rights if they downgrade you? No. I mean, again, like as far as, far as hotel rights go, there like just aren't any. I think, you know, knowing it from the business perspective the way that we do is that the hotels are looking to get as many heads and beds as possible. So if it looks like you're a no-show, if it looks like Mm -hmm. other people showed up before you and they had guaranteed guests in that way, that is how their business operates. So again, call <laughs> if you're late. Oh. Here's a, but I also want to talk. I, I I'm not an Airbnb person, as regular listeners will know. And I was <laughs> one of the reasons. Understatement of the century. <laughs> can I ask that? That's my little. Can I ask that's one of my little jingles. Um, but I will say that one of the many reasons I'm so wary. I was going to Korea for traveler to do some segments during the Olympics, and I had booked an Airbnb in Gangnam, and with three days to go before I was due to take up that reservation, they just canceled it on me and they were required to not compensate me in any way. Whereas a hotel who was canceling on me would look to make good on it regardless of regulations. So what do I do? Meredith, you are like Ms. Airbnb or Ms. (laughs) Sharing Economy. How do you hack that someone canceling on you? In fact, we do have, Catherine, you have a nickname. Mm. Mayor B&B. So it's not <laughs> Airbnb, like she is Mayor b Wanted me to dress up as Airbnb. We're going to give this Halloween costume away for free, guys. She said that I should dress up as Airbnb. I could be Air, and then I need two friends to dress up as Bumblebee. So if we've got any volunteers, let me know. Group costume, <laughs> ready to go. Where are you going to be for Halloween 2019? New York, you thinking? Or I think so. She's a New York Airbnb. You yeah. get it? Oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wordplay. So, did a not long land with Mark. <laughs> so back to cancellations, which are very frustrating. And I think, again, like you were saying, like it feels like, you know, suddenly at the last minute you've got nowhere to stay, which 
isn't necessarily true because you can take that money that would have gone towards that reservation and put it towards a new Airbnb. Um, so they will like take all of that refund and you can put it towards a new reservation. And if that re new reservation is less than that original credit, they'll refund you the extra bit of money. And then you can also get a full refund. Obviously, that's not the most helpful when you need a place to stay. Um, and you're going for something like the Olympics, where if someone cancels on you a week ahead of time, those places are not going to be probably the same amount as the refund. Um, so just know that they will not give you any more money to cover a more expensive Airbnb. But if you know this is more likely the case, someone cancels a month out or something like that, you will have the time and opportunity and money to to. But they won't assist you. I mean, they won't assist you. No, they won't. And you will also need to find that new reservation to um, apply that money towards. I will say that cancellations on Airbnb are not like happening willy nilly all the time. It's also important to so look. It's just me. <laughs> well, Thanks. I think it's two things. You need to look when you're booking an Airbnb for a super host. That will not guarantee that you will not get canceled on, but it will mean that that person has not canceled on anyone in the last year. It's also important to know that that person can't cancel, the host can't cancel and then re-list during the time that you were staying there. So that person's not looking to get more money, that host is not gonna like make a ton more because they canceled on you so close to the date and they're gonna relist their place for somebody else coming for the Olympics to stay. They cannot relist that space during those specific they're days blacklisted. on Airbnb. I they're think also blacklisted from becoming a super host mm -hmm. for a year. So I think that knowing that they also have to pay $100, um, you know, knowing that your host is not, like I, I wouldn't wanna stay at a sick Airbnb host's home. Like, no thank you. Like. I will take my refund and replace myself somewhere else. Um, but I think that, you know, it's not like they're being malicious. It also automatically populates a comment on their like review section that says like, this is an automatic uh, cancellation review. Like this host canceled this many days out. So you can kind of look and see. And I do think, I think the fact that a super host is essentially a good housekeeping stamp of approval against cancellation, that you know that person is not prone to cancellation. And again, I, I'm sure listeners, and I'd be interested, I think this is something I'd love to hear from listeners. This is the vanguard of accommodation. What have people been through as hosts or mm. as guests? How have they experienced it? Because my only experience is being cancelled <laughs> right. on left, high and dry and being reminded why I don't want to stay at shared economy accommodation. And I would also say, like, just like in every other instance that we're talking about, having receipts is so important here. Because again, if you're talking to your host because something in your Airbnb isn't right or something's broken or it isn't what you signed up to stay in, make sure you message your Airbnb host first and say, hey, like this isn't right or like this did not happen and you said it was going to or you said it was going to have two bathrooms and it only has one and this doesn't fit for what I need because Airbnb is going to look at those messages when you submit a claim to make sure that you like went down all the different pathways to be able to fix it on your own with your host so that they don't intervene before you've even talked to the host. So you have, will have had okay. to have brought it up, not a cancellation, but if there's another issue with your mm -hmm. reservation, definitely bring it up with your host first. If they ignore you or you know are not helpful at all or are rude, worst of all, Airbnb will step in at that point. But you do have to message them and have like proof of attempting to fix it with your host. Ladies, anything else to add before we move on? I have never Airbnb'd. <laughs> I am in the Mark Elwood camp of hotel stays. <laughs> so, no. Okay. So, anything else to add, ladies? You're Not you're to Airbnb. My, no. Catherine? I follow Airbnb's advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do too. I'm I mean, and I'm Twitter a big, bio, guys. like documentation person as well. And I think this is I think this is a great reminder that we now have smartphones in our pockets which allow us to take photographs of everything on the spot which allow us to communicate instantly so talk to that host and allow us to take screen grabs of confirmation emails of displays on apps if in doubt just screen grab it if in doubt take a photograph if you don't know what to do in the situation take a photograph I actually think, and I asked you this question the other day, for the people that are looking before we move on, for the super hosts, what's the best way to find them? One, when you are selecting, uh, like in the search feature, 
It's hidden underneath like a tab uh, in the search. Um, and so when you go to search, you can go to filters and then underneath more options, there's Superhost, which you can click and so that all of the search options that it shows you are Superhost. If you're not using that, there's a little like orange and pink badge on their photo. It's little <laughs> that uh, will show you. And then it'll also have a box that says like, you know, this person is a Superhost. They respond, you know, 90% of the time. These people say that it's really clean pulling from their reviews. So, you know, you just have to like keep your eyes open for that little badge. And then when you're searching, if you just want to get it out of the way, you can also make that filter an option. So we have, okay, good. So we've tra we've dealt with flight delays, flight cancellations. We've dealt with hotel problems, shared economy problems. Because I think, and I think those are, those are particularly intimidating because it's a new parameter. So thank you, Mayor. And then I want to talk about cruisers. Yep. And Karina is like, she is chomping <laughs> at the bit <laughs> to help you when there are problems with cruisers. Because I think cruisers... People spend lots of money up front. They do. And they're off there. There might be lots of you. It's a family trip. You've, you've got multi-generational and it's extra stressful then. So talk to us about what our rights are on cruises when there are problems and what you should do. Yep. Um, and it's a little different with the cruise lines because they each have individual policies. You aren't looking at a federally regulated thing. And I don't know if, truthfully, I don't know if that's because of the international waters aspect or what. But... Before you commit, read the policies about how they deal because water and weather are something that always can affect your cruise itinerary. It's just a risk that you take. So one thing you might want to consider when you book is look at that policy if you like the policy in case of change. And if you don't, you may want to book through an agent. This is like the opposite, is, basically, of what I know. you want to do with hotels you're, and airlines. You're always going to want to deal with the cruise line directly. But one thing, this is a tip I got from Rob Clabbers of Q Cruise and Travel in Chicago. They're, um, they work with cruise lines often. Um, but he said, you know, with the buying power that agents have, they might be able to work with the cruise line directly with you to... Um, Wrangle on your behalf. Correct. They're like your biggest advocate in this scenario. And this is also a time where a lot of people don't like to purchase travel insurance because they already feel they've made such an investment. But insurance policies, especially through a third-party purveyor, might be able to get you more than the cruise line's original policy. I was going to say travel insurance. The cruise companies offer cancellation insurance when you book. But... It tends to work in their favor where essentially any problems, we'll credit it against a future cruise with us. What you really want <laughs> is, a, is reimbursement. a reimbursement. And to change to a better time. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember, you know, when you're thinking, and travel insurance does make everyone snore. I know it does, but please, it's so easy <laughs> to solve things. I have an annual policy, 249 bucks. When you travel a lot, it's great. You often find with your credit cards. Just don't take the cruise ship insurance either because it doesn't act as your advocate just when you want it to. Right. And I also think in that prep, like you should never be choosing a cruise itinerary based on one stop because mm -hmm. the, like there is an opportunity for that cruise to change its itinerary, to skip that stop or to move it to a different time or just mess generally with it. Because in the case of, you know, this winter, like there's so many Christmas cruises that go through the European rivers and the water was too low. And so people had to not go to the Christmas markets they had wanted to. They got to go to other ones or the cruise lines figured other opportunities for them to visit out. But like you can't just choose it based on one stop. And that was a big story this season. Um, and, you know, to be, what's weird too is that it was kind of an outlier with that, with the low water levels this year. I mean, it's not something they run into a lot, but people are really upset and disappointed. And, um, you know, I feel terrible on the behalf of the like travelers that I'm hearing from. But on the other end, this is like, Weather and repositioning and adjusting itineraries, that's something the cruise lines are actually very adept at doing and rehandling with you. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of people find it very unexpected. But I will say, if you miss a port, they will refund your port tax. So right. probably your shipboard credit will get 20 bucks on there. But yeah, remember, not that's, that's not really it's, what it's you care about. Right. You know? What you care about is missing. So be prepared, you know, at least if you miss a port, you don't have the ability to say to the ship, you've got to turn around because <laughs> right. they've missed it for a reason. But again, I, I want to see that. That. Um, excuse me, I would like to go to eight uh, the billion Bahamas, please. Please turn around. But screw the hurricane. But again, and, and also, Karina, say I book a flight mm -hmm. on the morning. I'm, I'm flying from Chicago to Miami, or to Fort Lauderdale, pick up a cruise, and my flight is delayed. 
What's the cruise line going to do about that if I miss the cruise? Uh, the hard part is there's nothing they can do for you because they've got to make, they've got to make that sail away. Uh, that itinerary is all dependent on the different ports and all of the succession of the way it's set up. Now that's where travel insurance again can come in and save you. You can go directly and call them and get that sorted out independently. I would also um, I, like think about what caused you to miss it in the first place. If it is a flight delay, you know, go to the airline and say, "Here's my ticket, and I missed the sailing. What can you do to compensate me for this?" Also, like, some of the it, tips you talked about about you know not knowing that like you, <laughs> when I waited for delays and been booked upon successive flight after flight, that knowing that you have the power to ask for them to help you make the time for which you booked that flight mm. comes in there. And I would also say that's one thing I didn't say a bit earlier. When when there are delays, one of the most useful apps is FlightAware. Mm. Because FlightAware pulls, I believe it's satellite data, but essentially is one of the most accurate sources of flight timing information. And it will also tell you, there's a button that you can hit which says, where is my plane right now? So it will show you where the actual physical plane that is going to be your, you know, AA465 flight, where it is right now. And if it is already five hours delayed, but your delay only shows us an hour, you're ahead of the of the curve getting to the airline and saying, yeah. hey, I can see we're going to be delayed a whole lot more. I remember I once got to the airport in Paris and I got to the board and I was on an American flight from Paris, J CDG to JFK, and it just said, delayed. And when it says delayed without a time, <laughs> it's the worst. Just open-ended. And I went up to them and I said, do you know, how long is it delayed? And they said, at minimum 14 hours, but we <gasps> believe a bit longer. <laughs> and there were people with toddlers and people. And I said to them, okay, I get this. And I had a bit of status on One World at the time. And I said, hey, I'm British. I'm sure my parents would love to see me. If you can get me to London today... I'll fly London, New York tomorrow, and I'll take care of my, my accommodation in London, my transit from the airport. I'll go and see my parents, because that, that'll be a bonus. But I'll get myself out of the problem zone you have Your so many hair. of us in. Yeah. If yeah. you can just fly me to London and then back to New York tomorrow, which it, this wasn't a weather-related delay. It was a mechanical problem. If you can get me out of your hair, I'll take that. And the woman said, delighted to do that. So I flew Paris, London had an unexpected dinner with my parents, who were thrilled to see me, thankfully, and then flew to New York. So remember, you can offer an alternative yeah. that in those kind of scenarios, you're helping them. I was very nice about it. I didn't say, get me to London or I walk. I said, hey, you got 350 people to deal with. If you want one less, you could do this for me. And I think the other thing to know is when you do that and they say, no, we can't, don't tell them that they can like, don't tell the gate, because I've been in those scenarios where they've been like, well, I think you can do that. And I'm like, if you are not a gate agent, like, they are trying to get you yeah. away from their desk. Like, they are trying to get you out. If they have it in their capability to do the thing that you want them to do, they are going to do it. So before we conclude, ladies, any positive notes to end on? Because, I don't, you know, this has been Debbie Down and Debbie. <laughs> you know what? I was, when, when preparing for this, I think, Mark, this was a note that you sent. And I, I just flew yesterday from Miami and I was super annoyed at this woman. This is the bad part. And then the silver lining. <laughs> um, because of those people, now they're cracking down on carry-ons. And a lot of people will put their bag behind their seat. And then when people are trying to get off the plane, it's like swimming upstream, downstream, whatever that yep. expression is, they're going against the flow of people trying to get off. And I always thought, look, wait for people to get off and sit there. But you had an interesting tip or anecdote, or, or I heard this somewhere, which is if you put your bag behind your seat, go talk to, you know, after the seatbelt sign goes off, you're in the air, go talk to the person who's sitting by that bag and say, hey, look, this is my bag. I don't want to walk back, but if you can take it down and like pass it forward or bring it for me, that would help us all get out faster. And I think that's a really great tip. And the yeah. people ask the people on the aisle, do you mind passing it up? And they probably not everyone will help, but we've all been in that. We've all been yeah, the last yeah. to board and squeeze our bag in the wrong place. And if you say, "Look, it'll just speed it up for everyone," could you do me a solid? Because otherwise, I'm the person who's clogging everyone up. I think we would. We're all not because I would do that for them. Yeah, oh, like, yeah sure. 100%. That's cricket. So that's a nice positive to end on <laughs> for our Debbie Downer day. 
Do, Karina, do you have any positives? Yes, and especially because I, I do love cruising and I know that it can be intimidating for people to commit and especially because of the problems we outlined today. But um, I've been on a cruise where we couldn't make a port that I was excited to see and it we had to reroute because of weather um, and it meant an extra sea day. That means you don't stop anywhere, you're on the water. I have to tell you that has become my favorite part of cruising. It is forced relaxation. You have nothing to do but enjoy yourself and just oh. get some unplanned for downtime. I want so, more sea days. I yes. would you I love cruises. Yeah. Um, I want, I'm like all in for the repositioning cruise where you like literally make no <laughs> stop. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so liberating. And so that I think we so should like, have enough. Right, we should, like, sometimes I, those changes are like the mm-hmm. best day comes as a result, even if it stressed you out or was disappointing because it didn't follow the plan you had in your head. Travel lemons travel lemonade and i would also say like with when you say that you know those terrible instances of cancellations and missing ports and having your airbnb cancel like those are going to make the headlines but there are so many other like things going smoothly things going perfectly like hopefully when you're listening to this you're not in a state of emergency but you know like those times where you don't hear about it because everything has gone well those happen so much more often than these like really frustrating like, yes, travel. Yes, that's a great. I, think, I love when I ask you yeah. all for positives, you just bombard me with positives. <laughs> so I'm going to land on that. I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. And obviously visit us at cntraveler.com. Please do rate us on iTunes. It does help other people to find us. Thank you to Listener for two years for the five-star review. I should have checked what I, you asked what our theme song is, and I didn't double-check before the recording. So please tweet at me, and I promise I'll get back to you. Nutella Kell says, I'm not even from New York, but I love New York, so I don't mind. <laughs> in response to some of the reviews that point out we're all based in New York, five stars. And Solpix describes us as informative, interesting, and funny. And I feel like I could call each of you one oh. informative, one interesting, one funny, and then together <laughs> you come together. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> My point is, you come together a bit like how Carrie Bradshaw was really just the union of Miranda, Charlotte, and Samantha in one. Um, you please do follow us on all the platforms on Twitter, Facebook, everything like that. We are Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, CN Traveler on Instagram. Please send us your feedback. We love that. We love love hearing it. Panel, how can everyone get in touch with you? Meredith, I'm sure people know this by now. But I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. It will never change on Twitter and Instagram. And any women who travel thing you want to talk about? Um, we have so many exciting episodes coming up. Honestly, we've had a bunch of really amazing women come and do uh, recordings with us. You know, I don't know when this episode is going up. So poke around because uh, Samin Nosrat from Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat is an episode that we have coming up slash has already been posted depending on when you listen to this. You also, I was on a recent one. (laughs) (laughs) Again. And that was such cutting sarcasm. (laughs) Catherine, if people would like more of those bombs, where can they get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter at KJ LaGrave. And Karina, how can people reach you if they need cruising advice? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at at Karina Quinn, one word. And I'm Quinn with two N's. Yes. Uh, Karina with one N, Quinn with two. Yes. And I'm at Mark J. Elwood on Twitter. We love hearing from you. And thank you for listening and have a great weekend. 